Well, uh, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Riverside. Uh, my name is Corey Trevath, and I want to extend my welcome as well. So if it's your first time here today, I know every week we have people in the room. It's your first time here. We want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. It's a, it's a great day to be here at Riverside, and we're so glad that you're here to join us. Today is the last day, as Jason mentioned earlier, of our series called Re, uh, Becoming the Church uh, in the Here and Now. And Frank did such a wonderful job. I think I can just sit down, and we can go home, kind of reminding us of what this is all about. What a great way uh, to start today. Next week uh, is Mark. That's hard to believe. Man, time is flying by. But next week starts March, and so we begin a new series called Let Hope Arise. It'll be a a series around the idea of Easter, of course, with Easter being the last Sunday of March. It's a great time to invite friends or family or or neighbors to come and uh, to join us. If you want to invite someone to church over the next few weeks, it'll be a great series as we talk about as we talk about hope. I want to tell you that because I also want to remind you that in April, we're launching a series on the family, and that'll be after that. And out in the lobby, did you see the, the renovation starting? Did you walk in kind of wondering what in the world's going on? The last couple of weeks, we've, we've tried to give you a little warning that that's going to happen. And, uh, and they started this week, and it's so exciting to see some updates being done. Part of that is going to be uh, sort of the installation of what we're calling an at-home center. And this will be a resource center Uh, for parents, for families, for people, even for grandparents who are looking for resources as you try to raise uh, your children. Family is one of our, one of our pillars, one of, our, one of the things that we care deeply about here at Riverside. And we want to do everything within our power to resource our families as they're trying to raise the next generation uh, to know Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus. And so you'll be hearing more about that, but that's coming up. And actually today, just so you know, today there's going to be some, some volunteer work going on uh, with that project out there. And so today, if you would like to, I know some of you have skills or talents in this area, if you're a painter, if, you, if you're good with sanders or sawhorses or stain, they're going to be staining some wood. Uh, we'd love to have your help at 2 o'clock today up here at the building. Uh, if you want to help out with that, if you have some extension cords you want to bring or sanders you want to bring or if you can help in any way with that, uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, I think it's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, we would love your help. And uh, Doug Crose is over in this area and he's kind of heading up some of that. He's somewhere. There you are. I see him. And so if you want to come over and let them know that you can help uh, at 2 o'clock today, that would be fantastic. We would love, we would love to, to include as many people as possible uh, in that project. So that's today. All right. Tomorrow, I, I know that I'm going to spoil your Sunday right here, but tomorrow is Monday. All right. How many of you love Mondays? Show of hands. I know of like one. There's a couple. There's more than one. Okay. How many of you hate Mondays? Like Mondays you dread. Yeah. The weekend is over. The finality is here. It's like the worst day of the week. You got to start again. Man, Monday is coming. And I don't know if your Monday is anything like my Monday. It's, it's probably different, but mine goes like this. I wake up early. I have a few minutes to drink my coffee and read my Bible. And then it's wake up the kids. If they're not already awake and drag them out of bed, start breakfast going, wake up the kids again because they didn't get up the first time and uh, keep breakfast going, start making lunches. I have to get ready. They have to get ready, get everybody dressed, get everybody ready. We get backpacks on, we pray, we, we load up, we go to school. I had to work where I've got meetings to lead, meetings to attend. I've got sermons to write. I've got emails, emails, and more emails waiting on me to either delete or respond to or just completely ignore, which I do quite often. And, uh, and then finally, I get to the hurry and the bustle of the day and I get back home where we've got homework to do with kids and then we've got to feed the kids again. They just keep eating like crazy. And uh, then we've got to do showers and do PJs. We've got to read together. We pray again. We get them in bed. We have to get them in bed again because the first time doesn't take. Yeah, I know. It's just crazy. And then finally we cross the finish line and me and Alicia, we hit the couch and it's like, whew, we are done. What? And then the bad news is 
Tuesday's coming, right? <laughs> you got to do it all over again. There's something, isn't there? There's something about the, the hurry of life. In fact, there was an old song. I'm going I'm to go out on a limb here and I'm going to hope for your response. Okay. There's an old song that really spoke to this and it came to my mind uh, about the, the hurry of life. I'm going to sing the first line. You sing the next line back. You with me on this? You going to help me? I know who you are. So, all right. It goes like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I. All I really got to do is live and die, but the 20 of you that did that go to heaven. (laughs) You got a ticket. Thank you. One of the oldest songs that speaks to the hurry and the bustle and the craziness and the stress. You know, there's something about the speed of our lives today that is just, it's just stressful. I mean, do you ever just wonder like where... Where is the time going? Like it just seems to keep passing like, you know, like, you know, light posts on the freeway and you just can't figure out where is the time going? Well, I've got some helpers today to help us figure that out. So I'm going to invite Morgan and Lindley and Natalie to the stage. You guys come on up here and we're going to do a little thing. They're going to help me with this. Um, what we have here, come on up guys. Do you guys know these guys? These are great. These are great kids. They asked me last Sunday, can we please help you on stage with your message? And I was like, absolutely. So we'll figure that out. So here we go. Uh, yeah, you guys, I think, see it. In each cup, uh, we've got three cups here. In each cup, there are M&Ms. I don't know if you can see those. There's, there's actually 24 M&Ms, okay? And if you want to play along, you can do this. I don't have M&Ms for all of you. I'm sorry. Um, but you can take out your phone and you can, you can mark it on your phone or a sheet of paper, your bulletin. You can, you can put a little tally mark. I've given them each 24 M&Ms, uh, one M&M for each hour of the day. And I'm going to ask them to eat an M&M for every hour that's, that's taken up with some sort of busyness, okay? Do you understand? It's real easy. So let me get my questions so I can remember them all. But... Um, First of all, how many hours a night do you guys spend sleeping? Wait, 10 hours? Wow. Adults. Let's just remember those days. All right, so eat 10 M&Ms. You can go ahead. You get to eat M&Ms in church. On, hey, this is best ever. If I ruin your lunch, your parents can, eh, they can email me later, and I'll ignore that one too. Um, 10 M&Ms for that. So you, you spend, Lindley, you're just going at it there, girl. I'm talking to your mom. <laughs> All right, you got all 10? You got all 10 loaded? Okay, we're going to move on to the next question. Um, How many hours a day do you spend at school? Yeah, you can't talk with your mouthful. That's a problem. Uh, About eight? Eight hours? Let's go with eight. Okay, so eat eight more M&Ms. We're going to get the the two big, big things out of the way. So eight eight M&Ms for school. Yeah, you just go and get them all there, Natalie, and just kick them back like you're a pro. There you go. What's funny, Morgan? Why why are you laughing? All right, so that's so it's ten for sleeping. We had eight at school. All right, so so far you guys you, you guys spend a lot of time eating and sleeping. Um, uh, well, how, how much time do you spend eating? We haven't asked that yet. Like you, you have to have breakfast and lunch and dinner, and there's probably a snack or two in there. What would you say? About an hour, four hours eating? <laughs> wow! I'm going to your house today. <laughs> well, let's say what. What are, you, what are you doing here? Are you good? About, wait, about an hour eating, you think? Maybe two hours? You, uh, one hour. One hour? Okay. Not much food at the Graves' house. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, eat one or two M&Ms for, uh, for eating there. Um, let's see. How about this? How much time do you guys spend, like, doing homework? Do you have homework after school? About an hour's worth of homework? Okay. All right, hour for these guys. There's probably more down here. I'm hearing more homework down here on the third grade row. You guys are third grade though, right? So, huh? 
Got a better teacher, I guess. Um, all right, so let's see. What else, what else do you do in the day? How much time do you spend like on screens, like TV or playing with your iPad or a, if you have like an iPod or whatever, any kind of screen, Kindle device, you know, any kind of... Oh, I have one more in my room. Oh, you've only got one more? <laughs> how many do you have, Morgan? You got a few. How, how much time do you spend like on a screen in, in a typical day, just average? Like four. Four hours? Man, okay, so pop four of those. Natalie, how about you? Two, three, three, okay, so eat three M&Ms. Yeah, three then you can, just, you can just eat that last one and you can, you can be done. There you go. That was good? Hey, all right, Lindy's, Lindy's finished. All right, um, how many do you have left, Natalie? You got two, how many do you have left, Morgan? Because I got, I got a whole lot more questions here is the problem. Um, uh, let's see, how about this? How much time do you spend like driving around town? Are you guys in the car very much in the day? Like riding around to school or maybe to errands with mom and dad or maybe to dance practice or anything? Two hours? So you need a couple of those, a couple of hours. And then, do you guys do anything like, like, like dance or are you out of M&M's? Do you do anything like dance or any, like, I know you play soccer, right? Yeah. Do, do you, what do you do? Oh, do you do anything fun like that? Any extra activities? What do you do? Showing cattle. Oh, yeah, showing cattle. That's right. So how much time do you spend with that? At least one M&M? Okay. Yeah, you can go ahead and eat that. Well, see, the, now, how much time do you guys spend, like, uh, reading your Bible and in prayer? Oh, wait. Yeah, this, this is going to be a problem. We're at, a, we're at M&M's. What are we going to do? We need to talk to your parents. <laughs> we don't have enough Don't have enough time. That's it. Hey, give these guys a round of applause. Hey, thank you guys so much. Y'all can head on down. All right, that's a, that's a real simple illustration. And I don't know if you've thought about the time in your day, and, and thank you guys for being my, my guinea pigs. Here's the interesting thing that I think about, is that it's true for a lot of us, is we get so busy doing so many things that the truth is we get to the end of the day and we're wiped out and we don't have time. We don't have time, we don't have time for each other a lot of times because we're so busy. And a lot of times, if we're just being really brutally honest, we don't have time for God. And what's interesting is that in our culture today, what I think is really interesting is that we've made the word busy like a status symbol. And so when someone comes up to you and says, say, hey, how's it going? If you say busy, they say, well, that's good, right? We see it as a good thing to be busy. In fact, the busier we are, we think the better it is. And the busier we are, we think the more important we are or the more successful we are. You know, we've taken this idea of being busy and we've, we've moved into a stratosphere of, of, of success. And, and as, a, as, a, as this idea of really, you know, you, you're doing things right and you're doing things well if you're busy. And if you're not busy, then the converse must be true. You know, you're like lazy or you're just not doing anything or, or you've got too much free time on your hands and what are you doing? And, and it's, it's a bad thing to not be busy. And what's really interesting is that if, if, like, even like right now, if I stop talking for 30 seconds and, like, we just entered into a moment of 30 seconds of complete silence, you would feel so awkward. <laughs> and I would too, you know? And after, like, about 10 or 12 seconds, you know what you would do? You would do, like, you'd start looking for your phone, you'd pull it out, you know, you'd fumble around with something. You got to do something to fill the time, fill your hands, fill your eyes, feel busy for a moment until I started talking again because any quiet time, any, any silence like that, oh, it's just, it's awkward. It, it feels weird. And anytime you have a free moment, your eyes almost always divert to a screen or to something that you can do because you got to be busy. And we don't know how to not be busy. And I'm wondering, like, 
Is this, is this as good as it gets? I mean, is this the life that God is calling you and I into? A life of busyness? A life of always looking into the, the very next thing? Or is there something better? And the really amazing thing, the thing that I love, is that Jesus speaks directly into this. Like, like we think we're the first ones that ever struggled with this, but we're not. We think that our culture is the first one to struggle with this, but we're not. And Jesus, even in his day and his time and his life and his ministry, he spoke into this. And so in Luke 10, we're going we're gonna to continue reading a passage we started last week. You may remember last week. We started this story in Luke 10 where Jesus is, has engaged into a conversation with this religious expert. And, and out of that, we get this idea of, you know, what's really important? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And sort of the punchline was, well, well you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Like, and, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said that this is right. This is what we're supposed to do. And, and if you could just kind of boil that down into a, an even finer point, it's, it's this. Love God with everything that's inside of you, Right? Love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's everything that makes up the entirety of who you are as a person uh, on the inside of yourself. So love God with everything that is within you. And then he said, love, love God with all your strength. And, and sometimes we think about that in terms of like physical strength. But, but you know, Jesus isn't talking about just how much you can bench press. He's saying, love God with all of your strength. Love God with everything that's outside of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. So use all the talents and abilities and resources and everything that's, that's, that's outside of you. Everything that's at your disposal. Everything that you've been given. All of your strength. Everything that's, that's with, without you. Love God with that as well. Love God with everything that's inside of you and everything that's outside of you. Love God with the totality of your person. Love him with everything. Like this is who we're supposed to be. And, and then he, when he goes on to explain it. You know, what does that mean to love God with, with your strength? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? And he gives us a story of, of what we call the Good Samaritan, one of the most famous stories Jesus ever told. And we, we read that story last week and we learned that, that to love God with our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself really is to, 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 to just practice loving people in extravagant and in unexplainable ways. To love people that, that maybe culturally we shouldn't lift a finger to help. To love people that, that maybe in, in our little world they are despised for some reason or with whom there is tension. To love people that that most of the time we would probably not love, but we're to love them in self-sacrificing ways. But then the question is still hanging, isn't it? What does it mean to love God with everything that's inside of you? Like, what does that mean? How do we do that? And I love Luke. Luke is just, he's a brilliant author. And so he gave us a story of the Good Samaritan to explain how to love God with your strength. And then he's gonna come behind that and he's gonna, he's gonna show us, <coughs> excuse me, the story of Jesus going to the home of, of some of his best friends, Mary and Martha. And I want you to listen to what happens in this story. Okay, so we're gonna pick up in Luke 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. If you have your device, you can turn it on and flip over to Luke 10. It'll be on the screen as well. We're gonna pick up in verse 38, Luke 10, verse 38. The story goes like this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now I wanna pause right here and, and, and I'll, just take a quick time out. This isn't the message for today, but this is so important. I don't want to skip over it. There's this phrase that Luke says right here that you and I just read and we keep reading, 
but it carried a lot of weight. And, and the first audience that would have read Luke's gospel, when they read this line, their jaws would have dropped to the floor. Because what, what Luke says is that her sister Mary said this, and you, can under, you should underline this or highlight this in your Bible, sat at the Lord's feet. This is an idiom, this is a phrase that was used to describe what it, was, what it means to be a, a disciple of a rabbi. And so you may remember if, if you've read your Bible very much, there's a time when Paul, the Apostle Paul, a famous author in the Bible and, and church planner, he said that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And so in other words, Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the rabbi, Paul sat at his feet. And as a disciple, you wanted to be who your rabbi was. As a disciple, you wanted to one day become a rabbi. And this was common for, for Jewish men to gather around a rabbi as a disciple and to learn from the rabbi and to want to be like the rabbi and to one day hopefully become a rabbi. It was entirely uncommon for a woman to do this. In fact, his first readers, Luke's first readers would have read this and they would have had to reread it and be like, What? It wasn't uncommon for maybe a woman to be in another room in the house or to even come in and sit along the edges of the room to listen to a rabbi teach. But for a woman to come and to sit at the feet of a rabbi and take on the position and the posture of a disciple was simply unheard of. And this is just one more way that Jesus throughout his life and ministry is elevating, is elevating the place of women. And, and I, just, I just think it's one of those things we can't miss that Jesus not only allowed this, but that Mary had the courage to do this and to come in and to sit at the feet of a rabbi and take on the position and the posture of a disciple in this moment. It's a beautiful moment. It was an uncommon thing, but it was a beautiful moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work and tell her to come and help me? And Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you're exactly right. Then turning to Mary, he said, Mary, go help your sister. She's doing all the work. Why in the world are you sitting here listening to me ramble on when somebody's got to cook dinner? Get up, get busy, get going. There's too much to do to sit around here and do nothing. That's not what Jesus said. (laughs) But that's... Isn't that what Martha thought he should have said, right? Like, this is why Martha asked the question. Like, she's expecting Jesus to be on her side. Like, look, look, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. And Mary, she's not in the right place. She should be with me doing what I'm doing. Would you please tell her to get up and help me? Have you ever felt this way at your house? And don't shake your head in case someone's sitting next to you that you're thinking about. But have you, has it ever been, you know, dinner time and, or maybe people are coming over and you've spent the entire day cleaning the house, fixing everything up, cooking the meal, preparing the meal. Finally, it's time for dinner. And meanwhile, everyone else has just been doing their own thing. You know, they haven't noticed all the work and the time that you've put in. They haven't noticed how you've labored so, you know, honorably by yourself. And then it's dinner time and they come to the table and now you're like slamming down plates and throwing forks and, you know, napkins are flying and no one knows why you're so mad. You're mad because you have been doing all the work by yourself and no one's helped you. If you've ever felt that way, and again, don't shake your head, then you know exactly how Martha felt in this moment. Oh man, you can just sense the tension in the room, right? And she looks to Jesus, who she thinks is gonna be on her side in this argument, and says, Jesus, won't you please tell Mary to get up and help me? And what does Jesus really say? Well, let's, let's read the actual words of scripture that I did not make up. 
verse 41, the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. To which I'm sure Martha was confused and completely perplexed. What? Not at all what she thought Jesus would have said in that moment. And she is just left bewildered. Now, if, if you're like me and you've been around church at all or you've ever heard this story taught, you've probably heard it taught the same way every time. You've probably heard it taught, hey, you and I, we should be like Mary in the story. And we should always be the ones taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and um, be his disciple and, and learn from him. And so go and do that. To which I would respond, really? Is that what Jesus had in mind here? And I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna push back a little bit on that idea because I don't, I don't think so. And you may think I'm out of line, but just, just track with me for a second. But I think maybe you could get there Maybe you could get there if you read that story in complete isolation and you ignored everything else that Luke wrote around it. Maybe you could get there. But even then, I think you'd be misreading it and misunderstanding it. But maybe, maybe you could get there if you read it that way. But I I think there's so much more going on here than, than just that. Because right before this story, what was the story we read last week? The story of of, of a Samaritan who stopped by and helped someone who did something for somebody else who actually was kind of like Martha in the moment. She was serving and helping and being busy and doing something. And Jesus said after that story, hey, go and do likewise. So now is he saying, hey, uh, you gotta ignore serving others and ignore helping people. You gotta ignore making dinner to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and be still and be quiet. Or is there something more going on here? Uh, Maybe I could track with that if that was the case, but I think there's so much more than just, hey, you just gotta do this. But there's this tension in it, right? That there's this, this idea of, of doing, of being busy about the business of the kingdom of God and helping and serving others. And then now the story of, of Mary, who isn't doing anything except being present in the presence of Jesus. I think it's helpful to, to almost reread the words of Jesus to Martha. And, and, and I want to put up on the screen a more literal translation. It's from an, a version called the English Standard Version. And I want you to hear how, how, it, how it's phrased and worded here, where Jesus says this to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Do you hear the words that Jesus used? You are anxious and troubled. I think right in there is a clue, isn't it? Because over and over throughout the story in the pages of Scripture, over and over throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus, there's a common theme that develops. And you know what it is? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. And maybe, just maybe, what Jesus is saying is that, is that, It's not so much about the activity as it is about the presence of peace in your and my life. And and, and here's what I want you to to think about. Because I think as as a follower and as a disciple of Jesus, uh, we're not to ignore 
doing and serving in the name of Jesus. But we are to remember, aren't we? That we serve the Prince of Peace who, who gives us peace that passes all understanding. And if you and I as followers of Jesus are running around as people who are anxious and afraid and we aren't living, we aren't living life out of that, that peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, that peace that comes from the Prince of Peace that passes all understanding, then somehow we've, we've missed it. Somehow we've missed it. And in the moment, Martha missed it. She was anxious and she was troubled. And Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, listen, listen. I'm here. I'm the Prince of Peace. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. We're going to have dinner. (laughs) It's going to happen. Calm down. Mary has chosen to be still. Mary has chosen to be still. But, but this is so hard for us, isn't it? Uh, there's something about doing that is tangible. There's something about doing that we can check it off the list. So, you know, we go to church. We did that. We can check that off the list. We came up at 2 o'clock today and we helped serve and we did some volunteer work. We can check that off the list. We did something. We can go on a mission trip. We can spend a week in different parts of the world or even the country and we can serve Jesus and we can check it off the list. We, we did something. Doing is tangible. We can volunteer. We can, we can teach the kids or teach the teens or teach an adult class. We can, we can help out in a myriad of ways and we can say, we did that. Look at what we did. It, it happened. It's tangible. It's doable. It's it's, 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 you can see it and touch it and you, can, you know that it happened. Being, uh, being is an, it's intangible, isn't it? Like it's harder to get your arms around. It's, it's harder to, to measure. Uh, you know, when, when, you, when you take time like Mary to be before Jesus, the truth is you may not see instant results. Uh, the, and you probably know this because there, there may be somebody in your life who may be older than you, who when you think of them, you think of them again. We've talked about this before as someone who's a spiritual person, a spiritual giant perhaps. And, and you know that the reason that they are that way, you know the reason their life is filled with peace is simply because they've got days and weeks and months and years of having simply sat at the feet of Jesus. And over time, something happens to you and me when we take time to be before God. Over time, something happens in each one of us. And what's interesting is that someone that knew you before can know you later and they will be like, something is different about you. And what's different about you is that you have somehow, by the holy power of God, by the spirit of God, You have been transformed in some way into the likeness of God. And one of those ways that may come out most is that you've become a person of peace. You have become a person that has realized that there is a God and you're not him. You've become a person that realizes that times change and cultures change and presidents change, but God never changes. And so... Yeah, there's a lot to be worried about. But you have so much peace because you have so much confidence in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of the universe because guess what? You talked to him this morning and you know he's alive and you know he's well. And I think that this gets us to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? And I love how Luke sets up this difference because yes, 
This is what we are to do. We are to practice loving people in extravagant and unexplainable ways. This is what we do as the people of God. This is who we are. This should be our identity. This is how we're supposed to be known as people who do this. But Luke also says, and Jesus spells it out in the story with Mary and Martha, that we, we're to let everything that's urgent, okay, and extremely important wait while we take time to simply sit at the feet of Jesus. We're to take time to, to almost ignore what's urgent and important, to take time to sit and to be at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus didn't just say this, Jesus practiced this. If you've read your gospels, if you've read the story of the life of Jesus, then you know that one of the things that happens almost just like every page it seems like is, is the writer will, will write something like this, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He often withdrew to be by himself for him to sit at the feet of his father. And yet somehow you and I think that we can get away without doing that. I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther was a German theologian. He was a major player in the Reformation movement. And he said this. He said, I've got so much to do today, I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer. (laughs) Don't you love that? I love that idea. I've got so much to do, it's going to take me three hours in prayer. Because I know that before I can go and do what I'm supposed to do as a man of God, as a woman of God, I've got to spend at least three hours in prayer before God becoming who I'm supposed to be so I can do what I got to do. But you and I, we try to go do what we got to do and we never spend time being or becoming who God is calling us to be. And what I want to call you back to today is to become who God wants you to be. And you can't shortcut that process. You have to simply take time to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary and be, take time to be before God and let him make you who he wants you to become. I'm guessing this week you've scheduled meetings with some important people and I would encourage you to take time today to schedule a meeting with God. Put it on your calendar if it's that important. Line it up ahead of time and don't miss that appointment. You and I have to take time. I, I tell you this, I can get excited about this. I don't know if you can tell, but I can, get excited. I can get excited about being a part of church, of a church where people, where everybody in the house comes into Sunday and all week long they've taken time to be before God. What's gonna happen in that church on Sunday? That's gonna be explosive. That's gonna be exciting. That's gonna be God honoring and that's gonna be God, oh, blessed. I don't know how to say it. But can you imagine, can you imagine what would happen if we took time to be, to simply be before God? Church, if you would, uh, stand with me. You know, maybe it's, it's time. Maybe it's time to hit restart. Maybe, maybe we can do... We can do this Monday different than we did last Monday. We can hit restart and we can get a do-over and we can do it different. And we can begin this week by taking time to be with our Savior, to, to be at the feet of Jesus. If you remember the words that, 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 that started this whole conversation, they were these words. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
as we think about becoming the church that God is calling us to be, I think maybe it is time to restart. The great thing with God is you've got, you got numerous chances to hit the restart button. This is a great time to restart. It's a great time. It's the beginning of the year still. It's a great time to restart and to think about who is it that God is calling us to be and to become. And this morning, I want to invite you again, if we have uh, any elders and your wives in the room, if you want to make your way to the edges of the room again this morning, I, I know that as you come into this place this morning, that there, there are people in the room that probably want a chance to hit restart. And maybe you feel far from God and you can't remember the last time you talked to God. And man, you would love nothing more than to just hit the, hit the restart button on the machine and have a chance to, to do, it, do it better tomorrow than you did today. And that's what this is about. And if you want that, I would encourage you to make your way to one of our shepherds and their wives and, and to take a moment to pray with them. They love you. They care for you. There's no judgment there. It's just a great time for them to intercede, for them to usher you into the presence of God and ask God to help you with that and to restart. But this is who we need to be. And this is who we need to become. People who love people in extravagant and unexplainable ways. And people who take time to be before God. May we be these kind of people. Let's sing.